Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. McLaren fans, <laughs> uh, that the two of them end up crashing out in the first two corners or something. How wrong was I? Oh, I mean, thankfully, thankfully, as wrong <laughs> as you could have possibly been. But yes, we will get into that, of course. And before we do, don't forget to check us out everywhere on social media. We are Everything F1. You can find us on all socials at Join EF1, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, TikTok, Threads, and our website, everythingf1.com. And of course, we, we have to thank our incredible sponsors, theraceworks.com. They have incredible Formula One merchandise over there. If you head over to theraceworks.com, and use code EF1 at checkout, you will get an extra 10% off everything site-wide with all the amazing discounts they already have on all of their gear over there. That's a really, really great offer. So thank you again to them, theraceworks.com, code EF1 at checkout for an extra 10% off. Uh, especially if you want, if you're watching on Facebook, one of these lovely orange McLaren jerseys I checked today and they have some absolutely fantastic McLaren gear over there. And I, I know that because I've just bought myself a lovely Lando Norris hat using that code. So thank you again to the lads for the, over at theraceworks.com for that. Right, so let's get into it. And first impressions, Coops, how would you rate the British Grand Prix of all the races we've had so far this year? Oh, I'm going to go with a solid nine. A solid nine. Yeah, yes. I, I, I think... I think I'm going to go with an 8.5 just because of that damn safety car. And I think I think Mercedes, you know, it was a Mercedes that screwed up Oscar Piastri's perfect run. It was a red Mercedes, not a black one, but, you know, it was still a Mercedes. So they're going to take some of the blame off me today. But yes, that safety car was just a little bit unfortunate. But let's jump straight into it because, I mean, we have to start with the... the, the... Actually, let's give it a sec. Let's just kind of get him out of the way first. Let's do Max first. Okay. Let's just get him out of the way. Pretty peerless in qualifying eventually when DRS was finally enabled for Q3, but it didn't look all that nailed on for in the early parts of qualifying. The pole was a guarantee, which is a pleasant complaint to have as not Red Bull fans. Yes, those those conditions were tricky uh, and it, the, the Red Bull car didn't seem to kind of adhere to them as well as probably the best place to go with uh, than other cars. But as we've seen with Max this year, or this season, when he needs to pull it out of the bag, he's going to pull it out of the bag. And it's not not good if you're wanting a championship battle. But mm. Well, it wasn't that big a gap, though, at the very least. And again, I think it was that DRS. We know that it's essentially a double DRS with how damn powerful it is on that Red Bull. And it wasn't available because of the changing conditions, in case any of you have forgotten, because I kind of had it to go back and check this for Q1 and Q2 because... The track was still a bit damp and they were unsure in the braking zones. It was only Q3 when it was made available. Lando Norris obviously was top of the times in Q1 and Q2. And then they enabled DRS and Max pulls, what, two, two and a half tenths, which is roughly what you'd expect to gain with a massive DRS advantage. So McLaren genuinely had pace this weekend in qualifying, at least. And again, the two of them up there. Yeah, it's it's those upgrades they brought in Austria and at Silverstone have done exactly what's required. The, the car just looks planted. It was it wasn't just locked in. Uh, I'm trying to think, was it Austria? Was it before that where Norris got a really good result in qualifying? But the team were very quick to he be was like 
third or fourth in Spain. Yeah, maybe Spain, and they were quite quick to come out and say, look, this is just conditions, this is nothing to do with anything else, we're not going to stay up the front. But it was different at Silverstone. They, they did, the, the only bit that was a bit of luck was the lack of pace for Ferrari during the race to mm. allow them to stay where they were. Mm. But I don't think even if Ferrari had the pace, that it would be a foregone conclusion that Ferrari would have got past them, looking at how things panned out. Yeah, no, but very, very true. And we, we'll touch on Ferrari. I just want to kind of give to the other Red Bull and again, just kind of get him out of the way because he was a little bit anonymous today. And my girlfriend kept saying as he started making his overtakes late in the race, he absolutely doesn't deserve this. And, you know, they parroted the line of, oh, it was a great recovery drive from Sergio again. But how many recovery drives can you have before they say, all right, mate, no need. We, we don't need you making recovery drives anymore. We need you making winning drives and being up with Max because, you know, it, it, oh, what do you even say about Sergio Perez? Yeah, your yeah, 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 uh, your partner's right. There is uh, he doesn't deserve to be in Red Bull. Look at what Max Verstappen is doing in that car, and he's struggling to get out of Q one. And interestingly enough, prior just before the podcast, I was writing the notes, and I've got wee templates saved. Save me to take them all out every time. And for some reason, my template was the Australian Grand Prix that I hadn't I'd saved as the template. And for Sergio Perez. Said good recovery drive, really poor Saturday, and that was the Australian <laughs> Grand Prix. And I'm like, I could have just kept that there. Yeah, you got uh, over for for, and, uh, for reference for anyone obviously who's not looking. What he's written is fought well to six, but the, these recovery drives should not be happening. One hundred percent true. You can you have one a season. There's at least one driver that should that should have over twenty four races, twenty three races we've ever got this year. If you take Max out of it because he's in a different league at the minute. Every every one of the drivers in the top of the top teams has one qualifying that just doesn't click. Really, mm, just a doesn't blunder. click. Yeah, yeah, there's a blunder. Other things happen with red flags, yellow flags, and that sort of thing could make them not quite reach it. But we're at we're at a point now where it's a surprise if Sergio gets out of Q Q one, and it'll be a surprise in two weeks' time if he gets into Q three, and. The only saving grace he has is the fact that Verstappen is so far ahead. It's not making a big problem, big deal. Well, and even Max himself has noticed that because he said in one of his interviews this weekend that, you know, I'm winning the constructors on my own. Yeah, yes. And he, which he is, it's, it's true. But <laughs> he, Max Verstappen has 255 points and Mercedes as a team have 203. So, you know, he's he, he's he's two race wins clear of Mercedes as a whole team on his own, you know. And again, like again, this comes back to like Red Bull are the harshest team in the world. You look at Alex Albon, who Helmut Marco said this week, unfortunately, he's locked in at Williams till 2025. You think, eh, you know, if Sergio's not making points, it might be worth buying Alex out of that contract eventually. And the reason you can know that Yuki's having a very good year. But the points don't come for it for, for 11th, unfortunately. Nick DeVries is not there. And the young lads are fighting for the F2 championship. So, you know, it's Danny or it's nobody. And at this point, you know, you know, we're to up two races from the summer break. Is Perez about to have a bit of a bollocken coming his way now that we've got a, a week off this week? I think Herbert Marcos came out and said that, that there's not there's nobody really comparable to replace Perez at the minute. However, they talked about Nick DeVries in the same kind of sentence. You know, they'll have the tyre test and then there'll be more discussion. I think Perez is more safe than DeVries. And I think they've learned their lesson with who they can put in the car. Because 
Are you going to put Alassa in the car, number one F2 season? Are you going to put Liam Lawson in the car? Look what happened when they brought in Gasly and Albon too mm. early. So there's no re- there's no real reason to, to do that with Perez just now, basically because Verstappen's so far in front and he's just doing the business on his own. So there's no if there were if like if this weekend was slightly different, if if McLaren had two tenths more speed, mm. then it would become very evident because they would have had second and thirds and using each other to get to Max and they'd have strategies to try and bring somebody in front of Max. And mm. you know, that's when it becomes evident. You know, we all know because we're Formula One fans and we do this a lot, or we talk about it a lot that Perez should be there. Mm. But it would be a lot more noticeable if there was an actual battle going on. And that's the only reason he's still there. That's why it is literally just a bollocking and not a on you go, because mm. he would have been probably any other time. You know, the Alpha Tower seat's slightly different because their car's awful anyway. But yeah, for Perez, yeah, it's that's the only saving grace that Verstappen is actually ironically, Verstappen is wiping the floor with him, which is keeping him in a job, which is a weird way to say. Weird way yeah. to put it, but that's basically what's happening. Yeah, very true. And the other saving grace for him at the moment is that Aston Martin seems to have gone backwards as quickly as Perez himself has. So, you know, Fernando is not exactly rocketing up to second in the championship at the moment. If Aston were, and Fernando was finishing second while Sergio is limping with the look of a safety car to sixth or whatever he finished, that's a different story, I think, entirely if Fernando took second place back off him again. But that doesn't look like happening... It didn't happen this week at the very least. Who knows what's going to happen in Budapest. But let's then move it on to our lovely chromed McLarens. And it's just that simple, isn't it? Keep the chrome on the car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it was just that simple. They've they done the right thing uh, at the start of the season. This this result and this performance started in, when they launched the car. And we they all knew, had this they laugh. Was wrong. Yep. We all had this. We had a good laugh about it. I've mentioned it a couple of times. That a team comes out and they watch the car and went, yeah, looks good, but meh. Mm. You know, didn't big it up. They just went, this isn't working, but we're too late. We found, they found some issues later on in development or found something better later on. I can't remember now what one it was. And they just worked towards fixing it. Yep. And they've fixed it. <laughs> they haven't put something on the car that was wrong. They've went, nope, this is it. And they went, phew, and away they went. And and in their post race interview with Sky, they, the, the the Sky team interviewed Zach Brown and Andrea Sella, and both of them gave all the credit in the world to the Aero team because and and Andrea as well for kind of leading them in this direction because you know the lads came along, they came out early in the season before they launched the car and said we made a mistake, there's a problem with the car, the concept isn't right, but we actually already know what the problem is, and here's how we fix it. Now, how mm. do we fit that into the budget cap and the plans and the developments and all that? And they worked away at it. And again, you know, Zach Brown was, was quick to point out that this was the work of the current team. They've made a lot of hires recently. They've taken the 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 former Red Bull. I can't remember the guy's name from, from Red Bull. The, the, Dan Fallows. No, the other guy. But they've made a lot of hires recently in the car development sector. But this, you know, this development was all done by the team who are there now. None of those new hires are starting till next year. So actually they won't even have really much of an effect till probably the 2025 car. And so, but this, this proves that the team that McLaren currently have in place in place are really damn good at their jobs. You found it, have you? It was Rob Marshall. Rob, yeah, that's the one. They've taken him, but again, he won't start until next year. So he's had no yep. impact on this whatsoever. 
Great signing, but again, when you have a great signing like that coming into what is clearly proving to be already a damn good team of very, very intelligent people and top marks to them, and I've said this a couple of times this weekend, Toto Wolf is the worst jinx in the world to himself because, you know, he said there are no silver bullets in Formula One, and here they come, McLaren, with a literal silver car with a silver bullet of, a, of, of an upgrade package, and Jensen Button was saying afterwards, you know, we see, you know, a tenth or two here and there, but to find half to three quarters of a second, which is exactly what McLaren have done, is like the olden days where, you know, Schumacher would go and invent a B-spec car midway through the season for Ferrari when things weren't working. What did you make of, of, of Lando? His his start was lightning. Max's was pretty crap, in fairness. But, you know, he led the British Grand Prix. He did. It was a full four, just under five laps. Or was it the fifth lap that he got passed? It was the fifth uh, lap he got passed. Yeah, yeah. so that's a, good, that's a good five laps. Oh, I mean, we all knew that Verstappen's going to get him eventually, mm. unless something happened. If there was a wee trip or a wine went or something, then it would have, you know, if something were to happen to Verstappen, you just don't see who was going to do anything behind him because the, mm. the Mercedes didn't have anything. Uh, and I think it's that it's showing just just enough to let people know. Look, Lando's he's, he's becoming the real deal. You know, mm. you're thinking right, you know, put him in a proper car because. He races with respect, but he races fast. I mean, how many times have we seen him wheel to wheel with someone? We, I don't remember like Lando making a making an ass of like no. a pass or a wheel to wheel racing, or nope. and there may be one, but that's what I mean. It's few and far between. And yeah. if it ever, if there was, if it was a slight, I think him and Danny t- collected each other. They tapped wheels like that in Hungary a couple of years ago. Maybe um, I think the one that jumps out to me was I think it was his first season in Spain. And he, it was the first corner and he got it wrong, bumped into someone and he, he ended up out of the race with damage, damage to the suspension. Mm. And it was his fault. He didn't. <laughs> so that, like I say, very, very few and far between. He's got a lot of respect. Even taken away from the fact that Verstappen and Max Verstappen and him are friends out with Formula One. Mm. There is respect. I mean, even Hamilton has said that. Uh, and the, the wheel-to-wheel battle with him and Hamilton when he put on the hards and he was in the softs after the safety car restart was just immense. It was brilliant. Uh, and even the, like both Mercedes drivers, because Piastri as well was bolted onto the hards. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but every single group chat that I was in was like, oh, what have they done? They've screwed it up. What have they done? What have they done? And even Lando on the radio was like, oh, terrific. Everyone around me is on softs and I'm here on these hards. Uh, fair play to McLaren, the team. They knew what they were doing, even on strategy, because as was revealed kind of afterwards, it's, it's because it was pretty cold, relatively speaking, by you know Formula One track terms. The, the track was only about 30 degrees, I think, mm-hmm. which, you know, is nowhere near the hottest. In some places in the Middle East, it gets like 56 degrees or something like that, which just boils the rubber. But in those colder t- colder temperatures, the McLaren, it kind of overheats its tires naturally. But in colder temperatures, that just means it fires it up much quicker and keeps them in the perfect window, which was more so true for the hards. And arguably, they possibly would have cooked the soft a little bit. You saw everyone yep. else do it. Lewis did it. And the hards were, and they didn't have any mediums left. And the hards were the right choice. They had to change compounds anyway. And the lads did it. They 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 fired them up pretty quickly. Both both of them held off their respective Mercedes challengers because obviously Lewis was behind Lando and George was behind Oscar and held them off. And both the Mercedes drivers are coming over the radio saying, "My God, that McLaren's a little rocket ship." Yeah, and that's nice to hear. It uh, is. It is nice. And Andrea Stella did come out because they did ask him. I watched the Channel Four coverage just for a bit of change. 
it's David Coulthard's dulcet Scottish tones, isn't it? It is. I do like David <laughs> when he's on there. When something happens when I'm watching it live, I'm like, I'm gonna watch the I'm gonna watch the highlights, go see what DC says about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was asked, Andreas Della came on to Channel 4 and he was asked specifically, you know, why the hard? And it was partly to do with first thing was the hards were already ready to come out. And it was a it was very close between Lando coming into the pits and the hards were already set out. And he said, mm-hmm. look, we could have stumbled, dropped the ball here. We didn't want to do that. And also the soft would have been marginal for the end of the race. Mm. And basically they balanced out. And what they said was if we can manage this after the first by call, turn nine on the first lap of wearing the, the hards or having the hards on, you were fine. So as long as Lando kept Hamilton behind him for those first eight to nine corners, we yeah. knew it would be fine. And he was spot on. They nailed it. They, they took, there was the risk-reward thing. Like, we could put the sauce on now, and it'd be great for the first part of this stint. But the last mm. five to ten laps, they're going to be knackered. Even Max was saying the tyres were shredded towards the end. He couldn't pull any more than three seconds on mm-hmm. Lando, even if he wanted to, because his tyres were already gone off. And that's not a lot in Red Bull mm. terms. Three seconds. I no, think three, I three, se- three seconds is, his, is him locking up, going into cops, and then Lando was through. Yeah, and... Uh, Albon, I think, came out and said nearly the end of the race, these tyres were done. And I think he was in a soft cell at nearly the end of the race. So mm-hmm. you know, they 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 done it, and for whatever reason, there was not a lot of difference between the speed of the cars and the hards mm. compared to the soft, which I think was another reason why that hit it tipped I, her, tipped her hand towards the hards from and the I, rest I, of the race. And I think a factor in it as well is, as you know, a lot of the the commentators were saying all weekend, just that McLaren is just fast. At the moment, mm-hmm. in in these specific circumstances, I'm not going to get all high and mighty and say, oh, they're going to go and win in Hungary in two weeks' time. I'm actually not expecting them to be as good in Hungary. But in this particular circumstance, it all came together and that McLaren was comfortably the second fastest car and only just slower than the Red Bull. And in all situations, it didn't matter. Once it got its tires up to temperature, it didn't matter that they were technically two steps harder. It had more downforce, it had more grip, it had more mechanical grip, and it had way more top speed than the Mercedes. Let's not even mention Ferrari for right now. And yeah. that, that was it. It was it was through Maggots and Beckett's. Lando was pulling well, half a second sometimes on Lewis Hamilton. So even though Lewis had DRS, he couldn't get anywhere near to him. And when he didn't have DRS, and we saw it, and they showed it in the when they were doing the cool-down room, they showed the Lewis and, and, and Lando coming out of turn nine, I think it was, and Lando just walked away from him. He just completely out-dragged him down into the right-hander. And Max was like, holy crap, you out-dragged him. And Lando's like, yeah, I know, my car's quick. But that's what it is. Without a toe or without DRS, the McLaren was, the Mercedes just has no top speed, which has been the theme of the year. They did something different in Austria. Maybe it was a slightly higher, you know, altitude or something like that. But it's just, their upgrades have not worked quite as well as McLaren's have. Quick word on Oscar Piastri before we, you know, turn this into just a full McLaren podcast and we move on. I know. We need to talk about other people, don't we? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, Oscar Piastri, it's just such a shame. To, ha- to have Norris and Piastri in second and third would have been amazing. But, you know, it, it's it's fine matches of Formula We all know that. He'd done everything right. The safety mm. car came out at the wrong time. Hamilton jumped on him. He didn't have an answer for it. Nothing else, nothing else Oscar could have done at all no. uh, in that circumstance. He had the car. He kept the pace with him. Russell couldn't get close enough to him. Probably worse than what Hamilton couldn't get close to Norris. So, yeah, he's he's definitely one for the watching. If McLaren are if McLaren are going in the trajectory they're going on now, I think the conversations about Lando Norris heading over to Audi, where his contract finishes, just aren't going to be conversation. 
Mm. Uh, I think they'll. I think it will stay where it will stay. And same for Piastri. I think that's a good team. And if they, if everything starts to go the way they go, and you got to remember as well, McLaren have a new winter all coming. Yep, which they reckon will come on in August, isn't it? So it'll be they'll be developing next year's car in the new wind tunnel. Yep. Leave. So it will take some of it. Will it will have some benefit for next year, but it's probably going to be twenty five when you'll get the full benefit of mm-hmm. it. But there's a lot of things coming, and if this is just the start, oh, let's 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 hope we can be on this podcast at some point celebrating a McLaren win because I'll be mental. Yeah, and again, as was said all weekend, this wasn't really like you know Monza, where obviously Danny won, Danny Ricardo won the race a couple of years ago, and that was fantastic, and we all cried because it had been a decade, and we'd all aged and died and come back to life in the whole time it had taken McLaren to win a damn race again. But that was a circumstantial victory. It was all things yes. did. It was a circumstantial victory. You know, Lewis and Max were playing jumping jacks, trying to get over each other and crashing and mm-hmm. putting wheels on top of helmets. This was McLaren were second and third on pure pace. And they should yes. have been second and third, other than a circumstance. Like it was circumstantial that got Lewis up to the podium. It was not pure pace. On pure pace, he was fifth. It was you know McLaren were there on pure pace. They were the second quickest to Red Bull, but only by a couple of tenths. So brilliant, brilliant performance by McLaren. Top job to everyone in Woking. Please keep the chrome because it's clearly the literal silver bullet that you needed. And promise we'll, we'll move on now, but I'm sure they'll they'll come up again at some point later in the in the chat. We will move on to Mercedes and. Not a bad recovery, all things considered. You know, obviously it was a little bit circumstantial. The the the, the safety car came out. It benefited Lewis. It didn't benefit George. But third and fifth is still a pretty good return in their home Grand Prix, all things considered, with how their season's gone. Yeah, it's it's okay. Uh, look how the mighty have fallen. We were talking about third and fifth being good for Mercedes. Well, last right. week was a really bad week for them. I I said that Austria was probably they were probably the worst team overall. Like all things considered, oh, Austria was bad. a rubbish weekend for them. So this is a you know. A step back in the right direction, sort of. Well, it was good that he's on the podium. They, they had the pace to keep with the McLarens, but the, the issue you've got is Mercedes should be fighting Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're off the pace, they're off the pace of the Ferraris. And the Ferraris are off the pace, McLa- the Mercedes are then off the pace to the McLarens, who are then in second. So they're just not consistent. I don't know if it's, again, because they've had to completely rethink their the development over the last 18 months, a year and a half, two years, that this is what's going to be till they really lock into something that's mm. it's going to be give them the consistency. But they're doing the best they can with their situation. You know, they're there to take the opportunities when other teams around them aren't firing on all cylinders. The unfortunate thing was for them that when Ferrari dropped the ball, McLaren didn't. <laughs> so they ended up third and fifth. Yeah, and I think it was George that kind of suffered a wee bit from the safety car this time round because uh, he had just uh, So that was unfortunate because I think he came up over the radio asking about Hamilton, and yeah, he's in front of me and he's pitted, and there was a bit of bleepage. There was a bit uh, of bleepage. I mean, the one, the one, you know, positive they could take is at the moment until you know McLaren go on a run, they are still second in the championship ahead of Aston Martin, and Aston Martin had a rubbish weekend, as we'll touch on in a minute. And you know, they they scored double points. They scored do- good double points when you know while Lance Stroll was colliding people in bumper cars and losing points to the team left, right, and center. So they stole. They you know pulled a little bit ahead of Aston, all things considered. So. That I think they look at as a positive and Ferrari as well. So they're two closest rivals for now. They did, you know, damage limitation, if you want to put it that way. They they pulled a decent haul of points on on Aston Martin and Ferrari. 
Yeah, they, they just have to. They're doing what they have to do, which is just keep plug, plugging away. It just keep going. It's you know one foot in front of the other, and just it'll come. It's Mercedes. They will find something. Mm. Uh, it's not going to be in the next couple of races. It might not even be this season. You might mm. get like another Brazil where they just lucked into it and they were good. You know, had a good a good weekend. You know, it'll probably be. I'm going to put my put it on on the table here. I think Mercedes are probably not going to get up the front to either the second half of next season or the season after. So you're talking 24, we'll be on 23, mm-hmm. so about 24, 25, I think, before you see Mercedes back properly battling with the Red Bull team. And that's purely because they were they got it so wrong to start off with and they stuck with it for a lot longer than they should have done. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm going to give another uh, a fun prediction as well. One that I gave last year and was completely right on and really should have put money on, but I might this time around, is that Mercedes will win one race this year and it won't be Lewis. I might be wrong this year, but I'm just going to put it on the cards because I, I like doing that. It's good fun. And we'll, you know, you can all call me an idiot in November if I'm wrong. Ferrari then, and wow. Last week I said Mercedes, all things considered, were the worst team. I'm giving that one to Ferrari this year, this week because... My God, they just really, really, and I can't even bleep myself. They, they, if I start yeah. going, I won't stop. That was a, just an awful performance from Ferrari. What went wrong? Uh, it was bad. Fred Vasseur came out on Channel 4 and said it was partly to do with it. They never really got the long, long runs in with the hard tyres because of Leclerc being out in one of the three practices. I think it was FP2. FP2, we missed, yeah. Yeah, uh, the electrical problem. So they kind of lost their, their programme for the weekend. That shows a couple of things, right? Okay, so things happen, they don't get the program in, but then that, that shows a lack of versatility with the team mm-hmm. because, okay, so that goes wrong. So they sit around, have a quick huddle up and go, right, so you're not going to do that now. We need the long runs done because we're not 100% on the tyre. Carlos put on the, the, the hard boots and just disappeared backwards. Completely. And, and then, also, like, Charles pitted on lap 18. Mm-hmm. George Russell 18, kept yeah. his soft until lap 32. <laughs> And then Charles took an extra pit stop because he put the hats yeah. on, it was wrong, and he put the mediums on. Yeah. They just didn't have the pace. So it's Ferrari doing Ferrari things, as usual. It's just, you kind of lose things the will to, to say live. about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... They finished, a, se- they finished second in the six hours of Monza over in WEC. Yeah, but that's that's a nice car, and that's a team <laughs> that knows what they're doing. Yeah, like it is. Le Mans. Uh, you kind of lose things to describe Ferrari. If Ferrari are going to find a way to get it wrong, they're going to find a way to get it wrong. And it's just, they've got a very good team like a driver lineup. And if they keep mm-hmm. going the way they're going, they're not going to have that driver lineup very soon because mm-hmm. those are two drivers that are going to be like chapping at other doors and being like, lads, anyone? Audi. Well, there's Audi. Yeah. If the left McLaren keep, as I said earlier, going the trajectory they're going, Lando will be off the table. Then you've got, you know, I'm sure they're. Fa- Finishing round about the same time as each other, and it may be 2025. It's the end of 2025 uh, is Lando's contract, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm not which sure. Was, which was why I think the Audi rumors came up because yeah, he'll be yeah, out of contract. It's, it's, yeah, it's all speculation. Andreas Seidel connection, the contract's yeah. finishing at that time, you know. And I think the Ferrari boys, I'm sure at least one of them, maybe Leclerc's longer because I'm sure he signed quite a long deal. Science's contract is up next year, I believe. Next year, right? Okay, so he, he might decide, you know. If Red Bull are looking for something, but then yeah, he's been in the Red Bull thing, and you know there's there's a wee bit of background there, but you know uh, might be might be a bit better if it's the first team. It could be, it's the big uh, team. but like, like my point is that 
drivers, even drivers that love Ferrari, there's a shelf life and there's patience. For sure. You know, Vettel lost his patience. You've seen that in the last year. They was done. You know, so did, so did Alonso. So did Alonso. Kimi was the same. He won a championship last one to do it. 2012, I want to say. Kimi, uh, Kimi Championship? 2007. 2007. Uh, yeah. So that's been a long time. Uh, so, yeah, because it was it was Hamilton's first year. Yeah, Spygate year. Crack. Yeah, Spygate yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who won it in 2012? Vettel. Ah, Vettel, I tied it both day. Yeah. I don't know why I, I thought it was Vettel. Anyway. Sorry, it's a, it's a long time ago. We're old. Yes, I well, I, I know I'm old. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Ferrari. Yeah. When, when when Charles pitted early for those hards, I was like, I, either this is a stroke of utter genius, and he is going mm. to be lightning fast on those tires, and he's going to rocket up, and he's going to undercut everyone ahead of him. And then after five laps, when he had closed from three seconds to two and a half seconds to Lance Stroll on twenty lap old tires, it was like, right, okay, nope, bye Ferrari. That's you know game over early. I won't expect a fight back from him and every all the predictions online were all that you know Leclerc could be on the podium and he'd beat the McLarens and I, just, it wasn't even necessarily all the strategy it's just the, the, the lads themselves the drivers themselves had just no pace in that car for reasons I can't quite understand because yeah, the car I, I, was I, so good last week and it has a top end on it and Silverstone's one of the fastest tracks in the world was it just the high speed corners was it the traction Fred Vasseur said they were afraid that they would go. They expected more graining. I th- to me that sounds like once again the strategists are coming up with things out of nowhere, not telling the drivers who didn't even know what Plan B was. I <laughs> yeah, said he didn't remember right. what Plan B was. Coming up with things on the fly and not asking the drivers should you do this? Like you heard again, we're going to go back to McLaren because they nailed everything this weekend. The the engineer was on the phone to phone to Lando constantly going, "Can you keep this pace up? Can you keep this pace up?" And Lando's like, "I'm grand, mate. I can keep this pace up for as long as you need me to." Whereas for I was just like, "Box now for whatever Something. tires come out of this blanket when you get here." Yeah, find out when we put them on. That's what it was like. It was very like I mean I, I'm assuming you watched the Sky Sports coverage. I, did. I watched Channel 4's coverage, like I said earlier, and DC was laughing when. It was Carlos, I think, when they said it's Plan B, and he went, "What's Plan Doesn't B?" He went, plan B is. Yeah. he went, "How can you not remember the second plan? If you're on like Plan L, then <laughs> yeah, okay, but it's the second plan." That's exactly. I, we were sat here myself and my girlfriend laughing at the exact same thing. She goes, "How can you forget?" I was like, "Well, you know, they have like plans A to Z." She goes, "Yeah, but surely Plan B is, you know, the second one." And it's the one, you know, yeah, plan A and you talk about plan B and then maybe you like touch on the rest, but surely plan A and B are what you talk about all damn weekend. How do you forget what it is? Even in the heat of the moment of the, stra- of, of, of the middle of a race, it's not like he was in the middle of a massive battle for the lead at the time either. Yeah. And then, then I think, was it Leclerc that was, they were having a conversation. He's like, I don't know, you choose, you just let me know kind of thing. And you were just like, and that the comedy was, was picked up in that. End. It was just like, yeah. it's a difficult thing to kind of, what? Like, okay. And then let, let's look at the polar opposite in McLaren. How long can you keep this pace up in this tyre? Yeah, I'm consistent. It's fine. Perfect. Cheers. Yeah. How long is it? Seven or eight laps later, they double checked it. Yeah, yeah, I'm consistent. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And as DC said, perfect from the team and the driver. It's clear to the point. Yep. You asked the question, you got an answer. The team know, right, I'm quite happy with this. We can see there's no issues. The driver's comfortable. Move on. Whereas Ferrari are like, would you want to do Would you, would you want to do that one? Do you want to try that? Which that one was that? And the driver's like, what plan are we on? Like, you feel like they pulled over the side of the road to look at a book. They just double check what's going on. It's, yep. uh, it's, it's, it's beggar's belief. I just can't explain it. 
No, I, I got a shock when I was when I was watching it. You know, and I, I was you know taking notes for the article I was doing after. You know, I'm quickly writing something down because I noticed something. I looked up and I went, "Why are they ninth and tenth? What the, what happened? Like, <laughs> where did that four, come from? Four cars passed the uh, Carlos and Carlos. Corners, you know, and a Williams just flew past them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, it literally looked like Alex Albon put a rocket on the back of his car with how quickly he out out. It's just he out tractioned him out of the corner. Uh, it was absolutely spectacular. Maybe that was when Carlos was looking up in the book to see what, what Plan you know, B was. <laughs> what Plan B was, eh? Yeah. See, uh, it, it, you... it has a bigger belief, and there's a there's a well known other uh, podcaster who's is very he's very active on the interwebs, and he's a Ferrari fan. <laughs> it's a shame. It's funny because he 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 really does seem very physically hurt. When you see yeah. the reactions on the social media with this stuff, I'm sure I you think, can all figure out who we're talking yes. about. But it's it's all right, mate. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. So yes. just just keep yeah. up the humor. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah, it's but yeah, it's for the for the for what the team is and what they should be doing. And again, look what they're doing in WEC. They won they won them on after 55 years out. Yeah, their first time of trying in 55 years, and they just come and just dominate the whole weekend. They just nailed it. Eh? They just it's... finished set. They just finished second in the six hours of of Monza again, their home race. So, if I was Fred Vasseur, I would let them go ahead and win the WEC championship, and then hire the entire staff to come over and do the strategy <laughs> for the Formula One team. Because how the two are so different just absolutely does not compute in my head at all. And I'll save all the Ferrari fans the heartache, and we'll move on now and have a go at Alpine. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I heard yeah. I, I heard your comment on the the, the midweek podcast about my my, my best man Altmar Zafnauer. What do you reckon Lauren Rossi is going to say to him this week? You're fired, hopefully. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like the pain you suffer talking about Ferrari, and then the pain you suffer talking about Alpine. It's like getting your left leg cut off and then your right leg cut off. At least nobody's really a fan of Alpine since you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. certainly not since they were you know blue and yellow in 2006 beating Schumacher. Yeah, but those are the good old days. I mean, the only thing I'm a fan of is I've looked at the tops. You know, their merch is quite pretty. Bridge, you know, I've bridge. got, I've, I've got, you know, a thing about blue. I do like the color blue. So they've got Clarkson's Lager now as well. That's quite good. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, you just like for clarification, obviously, SD Best NF'd because of a hydraulics issue on lap ten. Who knows what that means? Hydraulics literally means the whole car is not working anymore, I, lads. Thank it. I think it was a leak. So it I was a hydraulics leak. Yeah, so the suspension and the so brakes were all at risk. That would, yeah, that was a that was a precaution. That's yeah. saving components for the rest of the season, yeah. sort of retirement. And then Gasly, to his absolute credit, was having a pretty good race in a car that just literally seems to get to 200 miles an hour and stop when everyone else is racing on to 210 or 220. It had no top end whatsoever, even with DRS. And Gasly, to be fair to him, got his elbows out and literally tried to, you know, himself and Stroll tried to kill each other. For about ten laps, and yeah. then stroll, and then stroll one. <laughs> and then uh, that wasn't even the, the thing about what it kind of epitomizes the whole season Alpine are having because that contact between Stroll, which is Stroll's fault, completely, and Gasly, it wasn't a lot in it. No, see it was when I saw light. the see when I saw the replay, and I'm like, that done that really completely, completely shattered his rear axle. Aye, and then you look at Al- uh, Alonso earlier on the season and the dunts he was getting in one of the races. Like I can remember them all saying that must be built like a tank. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, well, it, 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 it clearly is because Stroll has the confidence to go absolutely ramming into <laughs> other cars. He's done that ever since he was in Formula One. 
Yeah, well, uh, but it, it was Gasly in his post-race interview made an interesting point because their first excursion together, what's that big long right-hander called? They don't know the names of the corners. I've never been to Silverstone, and there's too many to remember. I know maggots and baggots. The top of the hangar straight. Yes, I know one. That's just before the pit entry. That one. Yes, they're coming around I know there. Exactly what you're going with. I yes, know where you're going with it. And Gasly's on the inside, and he took the racing line, which is absolutely legally allowed to do. He Stroll was never ahead. So Gasly is completely warranted to take the racing line and take it out to the curb. It's up to Stroll to either go wide and back off or to back off and not go wide. He kept the power on, went wide, overtook, and nothing happened at all. Yeah, he went way off strange. the track, made his overtake off the track. And we'd seen other drivers do this throughout the whole weekend, actually, in F2 and F3. It always happens at Silverstone. And for the rest of the races, they were all very respectful and all gave their positions back. And Stroll did not. Gasly went mad on the radio and in the, the aftermath, he said, like in the, the, the interview, which happened obviously during the race because he was knocked out, he said, it's it's bizarre to me because, you know, he said, I don't want to comment too much because there's no point. But last week they were giving out yards to us for, for track limits and this week it's perfectly okay to drive way off the track and gain a position. And he's right. The consistency there, and we said this last week, you know, are the stewards going to be consistent and stuff like this? It's all we want. The consistency is gone again. It, it was absolutely pathetic that they kind of allowed that to happen. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a strange one. And initially, when I saw no further action, I just assumed that he'd given the push back. It's all right. Yeah, they preempted it. And then it was Coulthard that basically said, oh, what a week, what a, what a difference a week makes. You know, mm. the week before, there was. Was it 1,200, 1200. laps deleted? Or 1,200 plus laps deleted, mm. 83 in the race, changes four hours after the classification, and then you drive straight off the side of the track, as you've just described, take Gain the place, position. and you further action. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know what, what that is. It would be really nice like if the FIA came out and just explained a couple of decisions, you know, just yeah. like a, a debrief, a bit like what Williams do. Uh, you know, their team principal, and I get his name mixed up with the other guy. James, James Bowles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he comes out on Monday, Tuesday, I think it is, at some point during the week in the Williams social media and just says, well, we done this. This, this is, is why, why we done do. it. Yeah. It's really nice and really refreshing. A bit like what Mercedes used to do. I'm sure they still do it. Uh, and this is actually something really- we talked about a couple of months ago on the show, I remember, because we were saying, you know, should there be some sort of stewards debrief on the F1 social media account or something like that, where they come out and say, this is why we gave this penalty and this is why we didn't give this. And on paper, that makes total sense because even for the, the the casual viewers who are watching it don't really understand. If they watch one race and then the next, and they're the only two races you've watched all year, you'd rightly be really damn confused as to why there were a hundred penalties after the race last year and then one blatant one wasn't penalized this year, this week. Part I think that the, the decision was as to why that, that wouldn't happen was because well, they're unlikely to come out and say, Ah, yeah, we're we're really bad at our jobs, actually. That's oh, what happened yeah, there. Yeah. Right. <sighs> It's a difficult one because, yeah, they're, they're obviously being protected because, you know, if they decided no further action and then they've said this is why and then everyone who, you know, in social media land can go, well, actually, it should have been because this room mm. means this and this does this. And we know there'll be a lot of people that would completely over, would completely analyse their decisions and they would break it down and they'd be like, blue, blue. So there would always be a bit of flag, but there's always going to be flag. If you make inconsistent decisions, it's a bit like VR in soccer or football, wherever you're listening to this in the world. Yeah, uh, <laughs> covering all bases. Yes, you know, VAR, especially in the English Premier League, has shown so many inconsistent decisions mm. and so many silly decisions. And 
you know, they don't come in and explain it. They don't put it up in the big, you know, the big screen like they do in rugby, but everybody can see exactly what it is. And then you can react like, you know, that's a shoulder to the head and he's only getting a yellow card. And, you know, in some senses, it gives that a bit of accountability. Mm. So with the stewards then think, right, hold on, this is going to get put out for us to see and describe and discuss. So why not actually do the job properly? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was early enough in the race. Yeah, they played his laps, But no, no further action. It didn't. It was a moot point, but they end up because Stroll got his five-second penalty for punting into the side of... He uh, did, Gasly, and he dropped and he all the way to 14. Yeah, yeah, so... It, like, yes, but, sh- but yeah. had the safety card not come out, that penalty wouldn't have affected him at all. No. It was the safety card that bunched the field together that meant he was, you know, he went from whatever it was, 10th or 9th to 14th because everyone was so close after the safety card. So... Justice was served accidentally. Yes, it wouldn't have been nice if he got some points. Which he was on course to, which yeah. I think was was quite unfair. And in fairness to the commentators, they they said the same, that that was quite unfair. But that's Alpine. And notice I didn't say anything about Otmar after that, other than he might get fired after that one. The, the Gasly one again was it his fault. Yes, the performances are speaking for themselves. Yes, He's, all, he's almost so. as bad as Gunter Steiner as a team principal. <laughs> yes speaking of them and we've just you know there's no point talking about Stroll because we just did him but Alonso decent race not as much pace it's said as much after the race he said you know you're right we have no pace kind of in any area but one thing they did have was okay top speed and they were okay Alonso at least was decent enough through Maggots of Beckett's to keep was it Gasly behind him for uh, until that crash happened for most of the race so at a certain point Martin Bundle said do you think he's just toying with the mm-hmm. car behind because he knows he can't get any higher than seventh and he's just kind of screwing around to make sure that he keeps seventh and a bit of an odd comment in my opinion he was doing what he had to to keep seventh but did all right to keep seventh didn't he i think it was the best he could do with the car that he had um, where'd the pace go though oh, it's a strange one isn't it they're, really they're, strange they went they, they got to the top of the cliff from last season to this season and it looks like they've tripped and fell straight back off it Mm. It's a strange situation that I'm, and you're kind of hoping that it's just track specific, but I don't remember them being particularly on pace last weekend either. No, they weren't in Austria. They fin- well, he finished fifth. Alonso was fifth, and Stroll was ninth in Austria. This is coming um, from one and a half of the team being in like the podiums for like the first four races. He was on the podium in Canada. He wasn't in Spain. He was on the podium in Monaco. He was on the podium in Miami. He was fourth in Azerbaijan. He was third in, like, he's got a lot of podiums this year already. In fact, I'll tell you now exactly how many podiums he's got. He has five podiums, which is, sorry, six podiums, which is more than Sergio Perez. It's actually more than anyone other than Max Verstappen still. And yet, the last two races, they've completely vanished, all things considered. I mean, he he got, he finished seven, but he was only, he was was just about, just over half a second ahead of Albon in the morning. Because he was 17.193 behind the leader, and Albon was 17.878. Yeah, Alex so was closing right up on him. Yeah, so it wasn't like one of those seventh places where you're in the middle of nowhere, no man's land. He was 30 he seconds ahead and behind you. And yeah. he was a good five seconds behind Perez, who ended up you know, finishing sixth in front of mm. him. So, yeah, it was. It's, it's a strange one. And is it one of those ones where... It's a bit like the kind of Braun effect, where Braun came out with this car that was brilliant at the start. The development curve wasn't much of a curve, so everyone mm. caught up. Same way with Aston Martin, they've started really high, 
and maybe their development curve just isn't that good compared to the other teams. Very but possible. I, I mean, know. I I don't remember other than like the the you know the standard things that everyone rings every week. Oh, we brought a brand new four millimeter vein to the end of the rear wing, and that's going to give us a minute half a millisecond of time, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's what they brought every race, but they haven't brought a new car like McLaren have. No. And by all rumblings, they have absolutely nothing of the sort on the on the horizon. They spent all their money developing the car, like you said, for the first half of the season in the hopes they'd steal the march. And they sort of did, but they've kind of been caught now. And if, you know, McLaren are still well, 100 points behind them, 150 points behind them, give or take, 130 points behind them. But if McLaren are going to rock up 30 points a weekend, that's not going to take them long to close that gap. No, I mean, we've only closed that. That was round 11, I want to say. Round 11. So they've still, yep, so. they still got, what, 12 races to go? Something like that. 23 races this year, so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely worrying if you're, if you're thinking that if it looks like what we're looking at, that the development isn't going to be anywhere near what the rest of the teams are. So, mm. you know, they're going to be struggling to keep what the... Hungary might be a bit better for them because all season they have been good in low speeds and the last couple of couple of races have very much not been that. So, you know, Monaco especially, they were excellent. Hungary is more along those lines. But I think after that, they Hungary and maybe, you know, if they do well in Hungary, they'll do well in, in Zandvoort because they're almost identical in terms of their, their characteristics of the tracks. But Belgium, Italy, they already, I could tell, won't do well there because we saw today and last week that their top speed is not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singapore, you know, might be it's a street track, but it's a damn fast street track. So And it's even faster this year. It is even faster this year. Yeah, you're right. Japan, is- unlikely. Qatar, very fast track. USA, mm-hmm. very fast track. Mexico, very fast track. So, you know, they've, they've got to get their act together a little bit because they, they're at a very strong risk already. It's only been a race and a half, really, that McLaren have shown serious pace. And yeah, could be, you know, our our dreams of a Fernando Alonso victory this year might already be over. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people got caught up in the hype. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Which isn't hard to do, considering we all thought that Sonoda was the next, was going to be the first ever Japanese Formula One, you know, championship winner when he's done his first race, back whenever it was. Look what's happening. Now. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, you know, yeah, they, they, they are a, I think there's going to be a few conversations about what they can do and they're going to need to bring something. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, have to they have to do something. And hopefully, yeah. Hopefully they they understand what their issue is. Is it just is it just the top the top speed that's the issue? Or as you say, is there issues in corners that's causing them to think it? But I mean if the top end speed isn't great, you know, you're you're holding yourself up. Yeah, okay, you can drive a wee bit off the corner, but they've got such a differential in their top end speed. The other cars are going to be right there by the time you get to any kind of straight speed, any, you know, any length of straight yeah. to the throttle on. So, well, here's hoping yeah. for Fernando's sake, at least, that they do come up <clears> with something <throat> over the next couple of races. Moving on then to my other star of the race, other than Lando Norris, was Williams, Alex Albon. What a season he is having. To no, the point that Helmut Marco, Helmut Marco is kind of rumbling that he wants him back only for his contract being locked in for a few years. Yes, yeah, and I, you can see why when you've got Perez doing Perez things and the yeah. freeze just not clicking at all. Not to take it away from him, but it's just not working. So you can understand any team principal who's got issues with their drivers or concern with their second drivers looking at Albon and Williams and going, "What are you doing?" 
Mm. Uh, that whole weekend was great. When at one point they were up in third and second, and they every practice session, pole. yeah, yeah, they were firing in poles, and then when you're looking at it, going, "That's a good lap." Yeah, Sergeant as well was joining in for fun. He finished eleventh, uh, which is but, his best position, best finish all yeah. season and career. Decent, uh, decent result for him. Got a little bit lucky with Stroll's penalty, but you know you have to make your own luck. He was in the right position. He just missed out on a point. But yeah, you know, he was sort of getting the most, not quite the most out of the car, but was benefiting from how good the car is, especially, obviously, it's top speed at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he's getting the best out. He's getting the best he can from the car. That's yes. probably the best way to put that. And I think Alex uh, is getting the best the car can give. Yes. I mean, Sergeant is a rookie, so we've got to give him kudos for that, but he's mm. doing what he can do with what, he, what he's able to do. Uh, so yeah, it's exciting. And Albon... He was there on merit. I mean, the passes and the things he was flinging about and yeah. to outdrag a Ferrari. And it was the, he done his impression of what Hamilton did last season. <laughs> uh, the two cars were fighting and he just fired past two of them. And they're like, oh, yes, sir, in, what's the, one? in the same place, wasn't it? Or it looked I, like it was I, the same place. It looked the same place. I just remember I saw him fly past him. Well, you're doing Hamilton. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, was, yeah. Yeah. James Vowles deserves a fair bit of credit. He he's done. Uh, Alex Albon again speaking to Sky afterwards was saying that you know Vowles came in late in the day in terms of like the car and stuff like that. So obviously he couldn't really have too much input on how the car was designed, but things he could impact, he's impacted really really strongly. So strategy being a big one for them and tire degradation, they can change the setup and they can change how they angle the tires and stuff like that to limit the tire deg, and that's really really worked for them. Because as we know, that's kind of been a feature for a while now. Obviously, Alex had that mega drive so last year. We did 56 laps on a single set of tires to score points. But apparently, Vels has done a very, very good job. They're 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 all walking around looking like they're very happy. James was saying that you know the you know look around the the garage. Everyone's holding their head high. They're all proud to be in Williams again and proud of the work that we're doing. And you, I, I 100% believe him I, and I don't blame him because they're doing a very, very good job. And I saw a hilarious meme this weekend of it's that horrible Barney the dinosaur coming out of the woods things like whom's has yeah. awoken the 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 ancient one is like rem- when McLaren and Williams remember who they're supposed to be. They just come back on song and they, they absolutely overperform at their home Grand Prix. Yeah, it's... It's just refreshing to see. It's nice to see. I don't think I know anybody who has any kind of concern or doesn't like Williams. Yeah, I agree. I think it, you either like them or you're just a bit, oh, they're all right. You know, or, you don't know, or, no, or you don't know enough about them. Yeah, you're just, oh, it's Williams. They're just there. Oh, they're doing all right. You know, there's no hatred towards them like, mm. like you see with some other teams and drivers and such like. And, you know, long may it continue. Let's, let's hope. I mean, it does help. There are a couple of teams that we haven't discussed yet who are just god awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so but it's 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 refreshing to see, and for James Wells to bring what he's learned at Mercedes, you know, you're not. I'm not surprised that the what he's brought in has worked, and the team are like, if you if you if you learned from Total Wolf when we saw the domination at Mercedes, and yeah, there was a there was a conversation they had when he was hired by Mercedes. I walked, it was a podcast and he said I walked in and it was minor things like walking into the Mercedes factory there was papers that were three days out of date there was coffee rings on the table there was it's we it's these wee subtle details that you start at and that's what mm. I think he, he's looked at you know look at the subtle things I can't do it with the car that is done so let's you can look fix at the company. What, what else can I fix right strategy yeah. right that's not working this is what we do here let's implement this let's do this let's you know 
get people need to be happy where they are first, regardless of positions, points, and then it's any workplace. You want to be happy in that and think, right, we're going somewhere. This might take a while, but we're going somewhere. And it's those wee subtle changes. And then you're seeing the fruits of the labour and obviously the drivers. You get a couple of drivers in there that understand how they're doing, understand what they're there for, understand it's a project. Yeah, okay, you're going to get your 12th, 13th, 14th most of the season and you're going to eventually get that couple of really good races and then you're going to get to the point where you're fighting. It's not a surprise to see a Williams fighting for the for Q3 now. Absolutely. And it yeah. was for such a long time. And they are now, with that result for Alex, they are on 11 points, but because of their better results, they have jumped Haas. So they're eighth now. They are seventh now. Haas are down to eighth. So, uh, and, you know, other than Haas, like, Williams are miles, relatively speaking, ahead of Alpha Tauri in with two points at the back of the grid. And with more, and again, it, it's not only that, because for a long time, kind of since 2014, in this like the turbo hybrid era Williams have really been known as having great top speed you know Felipe Massa being on pole where it was in Austria or something like that because mm-hmm. the car has no downforce whatsoever and essentially if you took the rear wing off is the only way it could go faster it essentially didn't have aerodynamics at all which made it so damn fast that's kind of been a characteristic of Williams for about 10 years now now it feels a bit different they still have that but underneath all that the car can still turn a corner Mm-hmm. It has a bit of downforce. Albon was rocket quick through maggots of Eckets and all the high speed. Like you wouldn't do well at Silverstone if you only had top speed. You have yes. to have an almost complete package. You have to have a well balanced car. It has to have good traction. It's got to be pretty good on its tires because Silverstone absolutely munches the Pirelli rubber. Williams finally have that. It's not just fast in a straight line because it's got no downforce. It actually does have downforce now. It's a very well balanced car. They've sort of got the underpinnings of the best of everything sort of thing. And with tracks like Spa as a big one, Monza obviously is, is a great one for them because they can just take all the downforce off. They don't need any balance whatsoever there and they'll rock it away. But like Spa, Monza coming up, Singapore again, lots of high, high speed there. The, the next few races, in fact, the next half of the season, with the exception of Hungary and, and Zandvoort, I would say really, really plays into Williams' strength. I don't see them going backwards from seventh from now. I, I see them no. very comfortably holding on to that. And, you know, if Alpine don't get their, don't get their act together, you know, Williams are only 30 points, 35, six points behind them. That's not a lot if they're going to be scoring, if they're going to outscore them every single weekend for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's not much more you can say. You're absolutely spot on. You know, Williams are going exactly where they need to go. They need a wee bit of luck, probably Alpine to have a few more issues mm. uh, in terms of weekends for them. But the way Alpine are having this season, that's not that much of a wish, to be honest. Uh, it's just a when, not a how. It's just yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's nice. It's it's so nice to see, and mm. you know, hopefully, some point in the near future, it's McLaren and Williams that are up there fighting around that's... the top again. And I can imagine I'm still I'm twelve, thirteen, fourteen. You know, like ah, oh, back in those days. Um, Sorry, <laughs> that's even before my time, unfortunately. Oh yeah, forgot yeah. you've been younger than me. Yeah, good, good times though. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm educated. I've seen the videos. Good times. But have you never followed Formula One when Williams were near the front? I would have started when McLaren, when Mika started winning everything. 1997, so 90, 90, 98. I got, I got into Formula One at first. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was nineteen ninety-two. I wasn't even born in 1992, though, so... <laughs> I was so, 10. So. Sorry, so, sorry about that. Oh, dear. 
there's really not all that much to say about the last three. So yeah, have it's, have it's have fun hard. with it. Have fun with this. One line on Alfa Romeo. Oh, they're over here. That loop. That loop. One line on Haas. Oh, it's bad. It was it was nice. It was nice to see a proper power unit break this time. Yes, it was. Not just <laughs> not just to hear power, there's an issue and the car looking fine, but you get the old fashioned blue smoke and the fire and stuff and. When they go into the onboards, you can hear the pistons fire out the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was nice to see the proper breakdown. Uh, yeah, but that that that's yeah. I don't know what Haas are doing. They're just falling away. I don't know if it's, they're still having an issue with the tire degradation with their car or what. But it's apparently Nico Hulkenberg was fourteenth. Was he? Yeah, but they've, just, they've got no pace. They've got nothing they can do with the car in terms of. They seem to be really good in first and one lap pace, getting themselves in a decent position during quality, but. Well, as as we say, kind of about Williams having that sort of trait of having top speed and nothing else. That's been the trait of Haas forever. Think of like Kevin Magnussen. Do you remember when you called when he was in pole or something like that a couple of years ago? He was mm-hmm. in in Brazil and vanished within a lap and a half. Mm-hmm. And that's been the trait of Haas for a long time, even back in the Grosjean days. Like they'd qualify high and go backwards. You would but think not that far. Not that you, far. You, no, you it was talk, a bit dramatic talk, this time. Yeah, you would go from maybe. They would qualify fifth, sixth, sixth, seventh, and maybe they'd end up just grabbing a couple of points. Yeah, or eleventh. Yeah. Yeah, or they'd lock in and stay around about sixth, seventh, the other thing. But they just cannot. I don't know what it is with it. I, no. I know in Austria they were struggling with tire deg. Maybe that again with you know Silverstone would be such a hard kind of track on tires. Yeah. Maybe that again was an issue. But yeah, it's it's but it's a worry for them. It's been happening for so long now. Surely they must think we need to hire someone to do something about this. I think the problem is they just don't know why. I mean, you don't know why something's happening to the car. And it's it's, a long time to figure it out. It's an ingrained problem in whatever way. I think it's whatever way they set up their cars because we had a whole new generation. We've had like four new, three new, completely different styles of Formula One cars since Haas came in. They've always had the same problem. When yes. we went from the skinny cars to the low and wide cars in 2017, same problem. When those cars changed a little bit and got a little bit less aero in 2019, same problem. Brand new aero of cars in 2022, same damn problem every mm. single time. So it's not, it's not, oh, this car is bad. It's like, no, something Haas is doing to all of their cars is wrong, fundamentally. Yeah. Must be. And then, then you've got the added issue with the power units don't seem to be doing a good job these days because... You know, Hulkenberg was out in Austria with some sort of issue, smoke coming out of the back of the mm. car. Oh, that's a good point. Remember it's two, two races in a row now they've had a mechanical yep. failure. Like, now Ferrari are sitting too pretty looking at that. No, they'll not be. I don't know if it came out in Austria what that was. I mean, there was certainly smoke coming from the rear of the car and things, so I can't remember since then if they ever said it. I don't think they need to say much about the failure as it was we, we, when we touched on when they, we first brought them up. I mean, that's a clear internal combustion engine deciding mm. it wants to walk home on its own in certain pieces. So, yeah, there's concerns there if you're going to start. You, you, you've got a problem with your, your car not having the pace, not able to look after its tyres properly, and then you've got issues where your power unit isn't reliable. Not a good package. No, not at all. And you've still got 12, 12 races to go. They mm. are. I, th- I think they'll be counting the lucky stars at the moment that they have the 11 points they already have yeah because you know alfa romeo could nick one or two off them but and we'll come on to them right now alfa tauri 
I'm not surprised that they're changing the name because surely that means they're about to sell the team. Do you have a one-liner on Alpha Tower? Oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's a very different team next year. I mean, we can talk about that. You know, uh, Marco came out and said it's going to be a new name, new sponsors. They're moving a lot of their stuff over to the UK in terms of infrastructure. Uh, the only thing I'll say is I will be very surprised if Nick DeVries is in that car in the summer break, can she? Yeah, I completely agree. I just don't see, like, what, what, what can you do? Like, I, th- I think we said this before, his only saving grace right now for this season is that putting Danny Ricardo in that car doesn't help anybody. It ruins Danny Ricardo's career and Red Bull learned nothing from it. Um, and all of their juniors at the moment are doing really damn well in Formula 2, so pulling any of them out, yes, great, okay, yeah, we get, we get a start in Formula 1, hooray, but, you know... We could win the F2 championship and then go up to Formula One when Nick Degrees inevitably gets booted out. So I think that's the only thing saving that would save him. But like Hauger's doing well, Zay Maloney's doing well, Iwas is doing extremely well at the moment. So like they've they've got three drivers in their their junior program all doing very very well in F2 this year. Any one of whom I think could really really do well to step up to Formula One next year. But I think the same problem if they put them in in September, it might be too early. I don't think they'd have all that much difference over over DeVries. So I think that's the one thing that will save his career this year. But at this point, they'd nearly be better running with one car. Yes. DeVries just cannot click with it. I don't know if it's the fact the car just isn't suited to him. He's not suited to the car. Is it the environment? I don't know. He's... You know, Helmet, it doesn't help that Helmut Marco. Actually, interestingly, Helmut Marco's on a podcast and he said he wanted to freeze. Christian Horner said he didn't. Yes. And now he's kind of like, I can see why Christian Horner said Christian that. was right. Yeah. Yes. And interestingly, he was he spoke to Sky Germany. I saw the I saw the quote on Twitter before we came on. And he said there's nothing we can do about Perez because there isn't really another option for anybody else. But we'll we're gonna have a chat after the tire test because Daniel Ricardo's testing for the Pirelli tires straight after the Grand Prix. Yes. And a Red Bull. If he's on mark, they'll put him in because what it does is it's a personality thing. The Toro Russell like Toro Russell, that's what we might go back to. The Alphatauri season's done. Yeah. It's, you know, France Tost is gone, they're bringing in the new guy if they've got that agreement sorted. I think it's a Ferrari person, is it Sanchez I want to say? I can't remember. Anyway. So there's a lot of changes coming up. Season's pretty much right the season off. Bring in Daniel Cardo as a personality to kind of bring the team up a bit, you know, and hope that he flings that car up closer to the, you know, to the points than what De Vries can do. Because at mm. the moment, the, the good, the only good thing that De Vries can do is he turns up and he doesn't crash. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, he was only just behind Yuki, who also had a rubbish weekend. But the one thing you say about Yuki is... He is actually, a lot of drivers were asked, I think it was just for Austria, you know, who are your three drivers of the season you can't name yourself? And six or seven of them said Yuki Sonoda is one of their top three drivers of the season. And it's understandable to see why. Obviously, you look at, you know, the, the points side, he's only got two points. But he has, what, five or six 11th places so far this year or something like that, which is just, which is like George Russell levels of annoyingly close to points. Obviously, mm-hmm. Russell and Williams, because he had every 11th place possible. So the, Yuki is doing very well in a car that is a total dog. But this weekend, he could not even he could get anything out of that car because they finished last and second to last. Yes. And I think that's that's why the, Sonoda's given the drive of the season 
so far because he's put in the car that by but by the sounds of things all the drivers know is a dog and he's, he's probably rubbish. said that you like yeah. and it's not hard to see. We can see it when we are not people in the you know in that bubble that it's not a good car. And if he's managing to get that car from where it was, where it should be to where it is. And also if you see the growth from what he was like. So yeah, he had a great first race in Bahrain and everyone got on the Sonoda hype train. Mm. And then for so many races, he either crashed out or made stupid mistakes or was screaming down the, the you know his engineer on the radio, which was funny. Which but, was funny. Which it is, did work in a bit quickly though. It did. And right. Uh, you know, you've got to remember these are the engineers that build your car. So if you want it to work, uh, don't <laughs> shout <laughs> yes, at them. Yeah. Uh, and he's just quietly got on it. I mean, De Vries has done him a favour because De Vries is that bad. That yeah, he's, he's making him look... him look good. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Yuki is pretty safe in that seat for another season. Unless, uh, unless Red Bull decide to promote two drivers from F2, which is very unlikely. That just I wouldn't think... be fair unless they punt Perez and put Sonoda up in the other team. That, I then, think that's yeah. That's the only way they promote too. Yeah, but I think that's very unlikely. I think I think what's more likely is Yuki stays there. One of the young lads gets a promotion next year. To I would, I would. I think I would like to see uh, Liam Lawson. Uh, yeah, uh, he's kind uh, of the forgotten man of the Red Bull. I'm not even sure if he's still with them, but he what he should be. I think he is Liam Lawson or uh, who is you know the lead. Red Bull Junior in Formula 2 at the moment. He's only about 30-odd points behind Vessi in, for the championship. And he had a pretty bad weekend, actually, all things considered, in F2 this weekend. But he's a very good driver. He makes some very good overtakes. He's quite like Kamui Kobayashi. He makes oh. very, very late <clears throat> lunge overtakes, but they're always clean. He's he's almost never colliding with anyone, which is good to see. <laughs> Certainly not like other Formula 2 drivers we've seen make the jump up and just continue bumper-carring each other. So, but yeah, I think... I think DeVries will get, sorry, Yuki will get next season. And if Perez really doesn't cut the mustard, he'll be dumped out and either Daniel will be put in the car or Yuki will get a, a nice promotion and a bit of a paycheck. But for now, unfortunately, you know, AlphaTauri are in the doldrums. And I think Red Bull just kind of want to cut their losses on that team at this point. Yes. I don't think they're selling it. I just think that they're, they're realizing, look, I think they're setting it up to sell it. Moving moving operations to the UK makes it a much more attractive purchase to someone okay. else because being being in the back arse of Fienza, like what the hell else is in Fienza? Nothing. It's very, very awkward place to be, all things considered from a Formula One point of view, especially when yeah. every other team except Ferrari is in what, about 10 miles from Silverstone. So it yeah. sort of sounds like they might be setting it up to sell it to an Andretti or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see that as a possibility, but obviously... Well, not obviously, but also I think it's getting moved more to the UK, more from an infrastructure sort of situation. So they've made a complete arse of this season. They weren't particularly great last year from off the top of my head. Mm. So maybe the Red Bull have looked at it and think, look, we need you closer to the main hub here. Red this Bull. isn't right. Like, we need, if we're going to keep spending the money and fix it and stuff, you know, and get things proper, and they're going to do a complete new rebuild of the image and all that kind of stuff and it's a new mm. era even with team principal as well because they've had trans toss since the start uh, as well so yeah I think that that may be a medium to long term thing probably after 26 but you're right that's probably because if Andretti were to buy them the first thing they're going to do is move them to the UK regardless. 100%, 100% and they'd be mad not to and they definitely won't set them up in the US they will move it to the UK mm. so 
Yeah, you might as well do that by now, and then if Andretti do decide to come in and take them over, they, and again, Red Bull, Red Bull will sell it for a lot more if they make that small investment now. I think that's yeah. sort of it. I, I, I'm very impressed that we managed to get so much just the two of us. I thought this would be a, a much quicker episode, but this was a very good chat of what was a brilliant race if you don't count the last three teams. It was a very, very good day for the Brits. Well done, all the Brits. Even Alex Albon, a really, really good home race mm-hmm. for all the British drivers for a change because it's usually a bit of a bogey circuit for... Home circuits are usually a bit of a bogey circuit unless you're Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. It was solid. It was good to see some nice wheel-to-wheel racing, respectful racing, even for the lead, it was respectful. They mm-hmm. they were able to trust each other. Uh, yeah, and, you know, for once, we can actually sit here and be proud that we've got papaya on our tops and we're yes. happy. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not worrying about my accident this time. <laughs> and I, interestingly, actually, I was sitting and I was listening to uh, Lando and I had tears in my eyes at the end, just like, oh, I can't believe this is happening <laughs> uh, when he got second. And, you know, for a long time, I tried to kid myself to say, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of McLaren, but, you know, I like all the teams. No, no, I'm no. a McLaren fan. No. Yeah, me too. As soon as I saw that happen, I was like, no. <laughs> there was something unconsciously stirring up. You know, I was screaming at the telly when we are in Paul and almost got Paul. And then, then I'm like, Piastri, up! <laughs> and then, then to see the start in the first five laps, and I don't know how many times I said, he got him, he's got him! At the start of the race. And then the tears, the, the tears arise when they, when they cross the line in second and, yeah, you I know, was... and it was purely in merit, and I'm just like, no, I'm nailed on. Like, I'm he, not he... getting anyone else's merch now. It's purely papaya. It's going to be anything to do with McLaren. Even got... my girlfriend, who is a McLaren, who is a Ferrari fan, first had her McLaren jersey, her Lando Norris McLaren jersey on today as well, supporting the the Chrome boys. So it was a good day. It was a, it was a good day for McLaren fans. Yeah, well, good, day, yeah, good day, good day for British motorsport fans. Actually, in fairness to to everyone, it was it was a good weekend. There wasn't any rain that affected Formula 1 too badly all the support races were brilliant by all accounts the weather was excellent it's the biggest attendance the British Grand Prix has ever had over the course of a weekend and I'd say it's probably the race of the season so far all things considered I know that might be a little bit biased but you know it's a brilliant race I don't know anyone who like unless you're like only a Ferrari fan and can't be happy for anyone else I don't think anybody would have come away from that going oh that was really crap no you, you, you wouldn't I would question whether you watched the race. Yeah, if you thought that. <laughs> if you thought that, yeah. And to be honest, it's the race that Formula One needed after Fiasco, the Austrian Grand Prix, and the track yeah. limits, which it's not 100% on the FIA. It's not 100% on Formula One. The drivers need to take some responsibility for it, and we discussed that in the last podcast when we were discussing the race uh, last weekend. But there was no real drama. We had one instance. One, one thing with track limits, which ended up becoming a moot point because it didn't yeah. really affect anything. And yes, okay, there'll be a wee bit of discussions about that. But it was a race. We saw a race. Yeah, the downside is Verstappen took the lead and Again. kept it. But and and they've matched McLaren's own record of eleven straight wins. Yep. So they're they're probably going to do that in two weeks' time. But those records. They're born to break now because we, yeah. there's so many opportunities now. You know, you, and there's so many more races. So many more races. There's 24 going to be next year. There's 23 this year. You know, when you look at the stats back at Senna and stuff, and you 15. know, they're they they Senna, even Jackie Stewart. And when you go further back, their records are more impressive purely from a statistical point of view because there was so little opportunity to do, but they did. Absolutely. Uh, it's not it's not any less impressive. It's just. You know, or you know, are still a good milestone for Verstappen to get and things like that. But you know, you've got to quantify it. But yeah, it's exactly what Formula One needed. 
And, you know, then we've got Hungary, which is a different kettle of fish altogether in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with what I watched for those couple of hours and what I watched over the course of the weekend. And, you know, let's let's see where where this McLaren love affair takes us. Yes, all aboard the, the papaya hive train. The chrome hive train. They better keep the damn chrome. They're not I, keeping the they're not keeping the chrome because uh, look, it's on if, the maps. The blue has to come back. It's if it, just... if it all goes tits up in Hungary, they will bring the chrome back in some way. Before, uh, before we shoot off, quick shout out to Gareth Del Delkis, who put a comment on. He asked about he asked two questions. One was about whether McLaren should put the sauce on. We discussed that. And he also asked, Do you think this was McLaren's two pace, true pace? We discussed that as well. It was their true pace. They were their yeah. own merit. They were. Old Dan, Danny G, he's on Danny Graham. He's Yes, he said, what a race for McLaren. Yes, the cap locks as needed, legends. And the boss man, James Tiller, who's travelling back from Silverstone at the moment, has been talking, saying how great Silverstone was. Yeah, and none of us are jealous at all. So no. No, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we're there. If you're listening, Taylor, bring us all next year, will you? <laughs> <laughs> we will leave it at that. What a brilliant race that is. I think Koopsie hit the nail on the head there. It's absolutely what Formula One needed, just as a year itself. Even if Max went and won, it's a brilliant race. Really, really enjoyed it. Right, Action right throughout the grid. And let's seriously hope we get a lot more of that for the rest of the season. Thank you very, very much for joining me for this one-on-one chat, Koops. Not a bother, anytime. It was very good fun. We are, of course, everything F1. Thank you very, very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on all socials. You'll find us at Joint EF1 on all socials. Don't forget to hit subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening if you haven't done so yet so you will be notified when our next episode is available and you'll get it straight into your earlobes. We will be back during the week for... Midweek news, there's no race next week, but we will do a midweek news. And the next race is Hungary in two weekends. So we will, of course, do a preview show for that as well. Thank you very, very much, as always, for listening. I have been Sean, and enjoy the week off and enjoy the Hungarian Grand Prix in two weeks. Bye now. Bye. Just at Joint EF1 on all socials. Don't forget to hit subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening if you haven't done so yet, so you will be notified when our next episode is available and you'll get it straight into your earlobes. We will be back during the week for midweek news. There's no race next week, but we will do a mid- midweek news. And the next race is Hungary in two weekends. So we will, of course, do a preview show for that as well. Thank you very, very much, as always, for listening. I have been Sean, and enjoy the week off and enjoy the Hungarian Grand Prix in two weeks. Bye now. Bye.